by encouraging you all for a be grown and own move. <laughs> and that is, no one had to say, all right, let's go get to our seats. All right, we're about to start. You just saw me and you just acted accordingly. Great job, great job, great job. No, I'm, I'm serious, I'm serious. Well, let's begin, uh, let's open up in prayer. So Father God, we thank you for this day which you have made. We thank you for the gift of life which you have given us. And more importantly, we thank you for the gift of eternal life which you've given us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for all of the behind the scenes that we've been able to begin to recognize uh, as we've gone through this series, series on the supernatural storyline of scripture. Uh, surely we don't know everything and that's been communicated throughout. But we thank you, Lord, for the insights that we have been able to consider and to digest. Lord, I pray that this message and the one next week would help us to digest, not mentally only, but to be able to inform how we live our life because we too are part of that supernatural storyline. And so, Father, we want to make sure that we are stewarding what we've been learning and that we were stewarded in a way that allows you to get the most use out of us. And so we don't want to just learn because your word is very clear that there are some who are ever learning, always learning, and they're never coming to a knowledge of the truth. We want to be those who learn and apply and model for others who need to know about you, what it means to serve you, and what it means to have a peace of God living inside of us, the Holy Spirit himself. So help us, Lord. I don't think anything that anyone's going to hear during these two messages are going to be new, but they will definitely be true, Lord. And I pray that we would value the true as well as what's accurate in the new. Father, be with us. I pray that you would please increase and that I would decrease. I pray that you would speak and I pray that you would protect from anything erroneous. Lord, I pray that the fruit would be application of what we know in light of what we've been learning. In Jesus' name I pray and thank you, Father. Amen. 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 In speaking, talking to each other about this series, um, I, I don't recall, it was very early on, and um, just so you know the response, your response to um, digging into God's word um, is always, if it's, if it's the right response, it's always going to be encouraging to your pastors. So, so if, you're, if, if, if we recognize that there is a, an increased hunger for God's word, if we recognize that people are asking questions about God's word, if we recognize even in the questions that come during our Q&A um, where people are like, okay, so, so what, do we, what, does, what we're learning, how do we apply this in life? Th these are things that we like to see because it means that you're processing, right? And it is very easy to, for some of us, to process things that are new. 
or that seem new. We met a couple of weeks ago with the, what we call the first gen. That would be our older, um, more seasoned uh, believers. And um, one of the, you know, we asked them how they, were, how they were doing, how they were processing the church. This church has changed a lot since uh, prior to COVID. And so the church is, is, is new in many ways. One of the things that was shared was an appreciation for the series that we're in talking about the supernatural storyline of the Bible. The difficulty with new things in the midst of life, which is, well, life, which means that there's some mundane portions of it, is that when the new is gone, how has your life been transformed? When the new is no longer new, after, as some one old song says, after the thrill is gone, then like, then, then, then what, right? Then what? So Pastor Kurt thought it would be a good idea to just help us to just process how do we steward what we've been hearing. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm, you can listen to, there's a bunch of sermons you can listen to. I'm assuming that you've been here uh, for that, and I'm sorry if you haven't, but you can visit our website um, and, and listen to the sermons. But I will say this, uh, that we know that God created uh, humanity to be part of the divine council. We know that the enemy, our enemy came and derailed that, and by derailed, just he speed bumped. Right. He didn't stop anything. Um, he just is allowing God to show uh, who he is to the cosmic powers. And so we are part of the divine council. We collaborate with God, as we'll see in more detail next week, um, to ensure that his, 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 his kingdom is advancing. And so we want to look at five ways in which we can apply what we've been learning so that we are prepared to be as involved in the advancement of God's kingdom as possible. Just a couple of passages. You can, you can just write them down. Um, we're not, you don't even need to project them. You can write them down. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. It just talks about how, you know, we can have all kinds of spiritual gifts, but if we don't have love, we're nothing. Meaning that the, the reason I want you to process that is because uh, spiritual gifts and stuff, one thing that I've appreciated about this church since we've come, since about 30 years ago, was that we are not impressed by spiritual gifts, because we know that character trumps gifts all the time. And so it's not what you can do. It's not even what you know. It's about how much, how much we apply. We know that in Acts 17 that, there, that, that, that this can be a human, a human uh, a thing that human beings like to do. We can like, we can enjoy spending time talking about nothing except telling or hearing something new. Acts 17 21 talks about a whole group of people. That's all they did. They just gathered to hear something new. We gather to be transformed by what we hear. And not everything we hear is going to be for us, meaning like it's going to like do something for us. But everything that we hear from God's word is always meant to do something to us. So it may not be for us in that, oh, we're using it in that. We, one plus one equal two? No, it may not be that. 
But there's always, as we're seeing in this supernatural storyline, always more beneath the surface than what we see with our naked eye. So there are five things that I want to uh, just encourage us in uh, to steward like what we're hearing. Um, I, I think that there are five, these five things are, I think what we're hearing should, should bless us to have a holy curiosity, uh, 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 an informed sobriety. It should move us on to maturity. It should give us a durability, and it should lead us to doxology. So let's look at curiosity. This is a, a well-known passage in Scripture, one that people use to um, talk about like how critical it is to just be at the feet of Jesus. You probably already, if I say at the feet of Jesus, you probably already know the passage, right? The passage is, is Luke chapter 10, verse 38, where um, it says this. Now, Jesus, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Mary had a curiosity that allowed her to say, yes, there's, there's activity going on. There are things to do, but I want to be at the feet of Jesus so I can learn as much as possible from him. Many of you have articulated how you are reading your Bible anew with new eyes. You're seeing new things, right? And you're reading. Maybe you are reading to see. So I remember when, when, when Pastor Kurt was reading through all of these names. And, and at the end of them, at the end of most of them was L. So like my name, Michael. E-L is at the end, right? So if you remember Elohim, right, then every time you see that L, you know, oh, this has something to do with the deity. Every time you read it, right? It, that can help you to read genealogies in a new, with a new respect, right? Thank you for the five that agree with me. I know genealogies, <laughs> I mean, they, they rough to read. I, 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 give, I give you that. I, I agree. I agree. But curiosity, this is what curiosity means. Curiosity just means eager to know, to learn, inquisitive. And so what I loved about hearing the report from the, from, from, from the first gen is that, like, you know what? Like, we've been walking with the Lord for a while, but we're reading the Bible with new eyes. Right? So this, this supernatural storyline of the Bible, because there's more to it than what we see with our eye and even what we've heard, there's certain things that certain theologians haven't touched in the way that we've been hearing. And the cases are made even when they cannot be proved. It's like, that's exactly what scripture says. But the, but the logic, the route, of, the route to the conclusion makes enough sense that, oh, we see what's going on here. And that, if this is the thing about all Bible reading from anyone, if one human being can do it, it's possible that another human being can do it. Meaning, yes, there are gifts, 
And that's going to play out. But it also means that it just raises the bar in terms of how we read. So if we see Pastor Kurt do something, we shouldn't think that only God can only give him the insight. God is going to give him insights because of his role. That's just going to happen, right? But all of us, the, the game is raised for all of us when we're exposed to that, right? If you live in a neighborhood where they play basketball, see, I, only, I haven't even played in a while, but I look like I can play right now, right? <laughs> I look like I can play, right? Because I grew up in a neighborhood where they, they, they took that orange and they squeezed it, that ball, and they squeezed that orange. You know, they knew I could. I'm, 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 I'm kind of. Gain some weight, so I can't do the jump shot right now because I might rip something. But, but if 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 you're around greatness, if you're around talent, even if you're not talented, from interacting with that, it's going to raise your game as well. And so may we all be eager. May we all be eager to know, eager to learn, inquisitive. May we not think, yes, we know what the storyline is to some degree, but may this series show us that we don't know it all. And may we, because we don't know it all, have a curiosity and may we, we'll get to pray in a moment. But as if, when we're reading God's word, may we ask, even as we talked about in Sunday school last week, may we ask God to open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from his law. So there should be a measure of curiosity. There should also be a measure of, 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 of sobriety. So there are a few definitions of sobriety, but the one that I like the most uh, for this uh, context is the one that everyone knows the most. Not being intoxicated or drunk. This world, this world lulls us into a sense of security, especially if you're in America, well, let me say that, into a sense of security that we should not have into a, 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 a place where we can discount what it is to be like the old hymn says on the battlefield for my Lord. We have so many comforts. We have access to all kinds of Bible helps even. We, we have people who, it's, it's, it's easy, guys. I think you've seen this in, in many areas. It's easy to be cultural Christians. It's easy to have a form of godliness. All of these things are easy. But all of those things mean that we are intoxicated or drunk with what the world is selling. It means we don't, we don't see things from the supernatural storyline. We just see it from the natural. And we can sanitize the natural in a horizontal way, but we can never do that in a vertical way. God, remember 1 Corinthians 3, like when we stand before him, he's judging the intents and the motives of our hearts, not just what we did. So what you do can appear to be like wonderful to me, but God is going to judge the intent and the heart behind it, right? So even he's looking at the, what, what's happening within, beneath like what the actions are that we can see. So Hebrews chapter 2 tells us this. It tells us this. And we're going to go through a lot of scripture, um, but it says this. Um, Therefore, we must pay most much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Lest we drift away. See, the enemy of our soul is so smooth that we have to remember that he's, he schemes. So he's not just 
He's not just going to say, hey, you know what, man? I want you to go ahead and uh, I, I want you. <laughs> he's not going to present you with this. You know what? Today I really like for you to commit adultery. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. What he probably would do and how the flesh would work would be something more like I'm not content with my spouse because I don't know, let's say something stupid. He doesn't put the seat down. <laughs> I had to be trained to do that so that's why I picked that one. And I, I resisted the training for a while. Until my wife told me, unless anyone else, in case anybody else, especially if you have children, until my wife told me that my children would sit on the part that wasn't covered. Then it was like, okay, we putting the seat down every time, no problem. Everywhere we go, even publicly, we putting the seat down, man. Just No, none of that, right? Um, or because... Or because this happens in my house. Or because when she cleans up, she moves my stuff, and I don't know where it is. I'm, I'm like completely tired of that. I've asked her over and over and over again. I'm tired of it, man. And it can go from low-level, comical, like this, to something that just allows you to nitpick at your spouse. And then, of course, there's going to be somebody perfect at your job or wherever you go, the gym, the coffee shop. And they're not going to, you know, they're not going to, they're probably not going to come up to you and just offer themselves to you. No, they'll just be a nice person. And then, as they say, one thing may lead to another, and then who knows? But it started from what? A seed of discontent, right? Something that, that's, that's not, that's a long ways but you never want to end up at the full fruition, right? The enemy is smooth. Therefore, the, the writer of Hebrews says that we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. See, what I described is a drifting, a dr discontent, drifting towards something that is much more egregious, and none of us would say, yeah, you know what, you should do that. All of us, we could laugh about the things we might be discontent about because on some level they can be comical. But adultery is not comical. Yeah. Yeah. It's not comical. But see, something like that can lead because the enemy and ourselves, we will drift. It'll be subtle. And so we must pay attention. We must be sober. We must not be intoxicated by this world. We must not, we, mu we, we must even do things like go out of, I would say you, I would, I would advise you to do this. Go out of your way to think of things that encourage you about your spouse. Don't try to make it a point to when you go, before you go to sleep, because some, most of us don't just, unless you take something to help you sleep, um, most of us don't just be like, all right, I'm going to bed right now. <laughs> Most of us don't do that. Sometimes our minds are still active. So, so set your mind to appreciate the blessing that God has given you. Take one, two, or three things and just thank God for this about your wife. Thank God about these things about your husband. Why? So that the drift doesn't get you. So I'm not just saying, say, 
she's this, she's that. No, I mean, thank God that she's sweet. Thank God that she can cook. Thank God that she's a servant. Thank God for whatever your wife is. Thank, her, thank him for that. Whatever your husband is, thank God that he's handsome. Thanks God that he's, no, whatever. <laughs> thank God so that you are, you are paying. It doesn't seem like it, but the supernatural storyline. Knowing that the enemy is out trying to take as many with him as possible, knowing that he set up whole systems so that we get caught up in them and that we've drifted. And we've all experienced it on some level. Oh, I ain't going to talk for y'all. I know I've experienced it on some level where I end up in a place and I'm wondering like, man, what, what, what's going on right now, brother? What, what, what's that? Do you realize how you got here? No, I, at the time, I may not. Now, upon further review and deconstruction, for me, at least, I, I have to figure out how we got here so we don't get there again, right? So we don't get there again, right? But that won't happen if we're not paying much closer attention, much closer attention to our salvation than we are to the NCAA tournament, and all of the one seeds that have been dropped so far, <laughs> thus far, or to the stock market and what banks are closing. I mean, yeah, pay attention on some level, but <laughs> I mean, the reality is, like, I think I know our membership well enough to say, like, what can you do about it? Like, probably not much. Pray. You can pray. That's about all you can do. So, so in your, if, you're, if, you're, if you're studying this, just write down uh, Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Um, I'm not going to read the other three verses, um, but, but listen to the, to the testimony of, of Ephesians 5, 5.15. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as, not as unwise, don't walk as unwise, but as wise, making the most, making the best, excuse me, different translations coming to mind. Um, I'm reading from the ESV, though, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So recognizing regardless of how much good we are experiencing that the days are evil, the days are evil, the days are evil. So we should be sober because we understand that that our enemy is, is roaming around and he's looking for someone. To devour. So if we're not paying attention, if we have our head in the sand, if we have our eyes closed, I have one, one grandchild I used to always have to correct because for some reason this grandchild will always want to walk with their eyes closed. <laughs> and I mean, that's funny, sort of, but, but in the house we used to live in, there were some steps that, that just would have taught him a lesson that he may have needed to learn if he couldn't heed my voice. But of course, I didn't want him to learn that way. I wanted him to learn from my voice. And so eventually he stopped. But man, if you walk around with your eyes closed, if we walk around with our eyes closed spiritually, we're just asking to fall down the steps. So let us make certain that we understand that the days are evil. Sobriety. So curiosity, we're eager to know, we're eager to learn, we're inquisitive about the things of God. Sobriety, we understand that we're in the context of spiritual uh, uh, warfare between uh, uh, the Lord and, 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 and the Satan. 
and that we're, we're part of it. Whether we, whether we want to be or not, we are part of it. That's why 2 Timothy 2, uh, Paul says this to Timothy. He reminds him that no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to play, please the one who enlisted him. So we've been enlisted, whether we want to or not, into God's army. Our aim should be to please him. Sobriety. We should be striving for a level of maturity. Now, obviously, they're going to be different levels. I thank Pastor Kurt for pointing this out to me. I think it was in conversation once, um, and he's also shared it with, with you all. But, but when we uh, look at the parable of the sower, and we see that at the end of it, 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 it when he gives the interpretation, the interpretation that, that is that um, some hearts are good ground and it brings forth fruit, but the fold of the fruit can be different. 30, 60, 100. Having said that, there should be some level of maturity for us all. Maturity is just uh, being complete in natural growth or development. Complete in natural growth or development. And what I like about this definition is that is the word natural. So we're, we're not talking about um, some kind of, um, you know, process in which a certain special group of Christians develop in a certain way. But we're talking about the natural, what the, what the Spirit of God does in people should be happening in believers, right? So there are certain things that um, Paul can say, like, hey, you've not learned Christ that way. Why? Because all believers know you shouldn't do that. Or all believers know, like, if I tell you, like, so I'm going to talk about reading God's word and prayer. That's not going to be anything new to anyone in here. Um, if it is, that's wild right there. Um, I mean, that's, that, that, let me know, um, just so I know not to say that again. Um, but, but there are going to be things that we already know to do because it's just what? It's just natural. It's part of the natural process. It's like eating your dinner. It's that natural, right? So, again, Ephesians 5, look carefully then how you walk, not as wise but unwise, making the best use of the time. So maturity involves, and uh, Hebrews chapter 5 also alludes to this, it involves being able to discern that the day is evil. So it's not like everyone can see that the days are evil. Some people, I, I don't know that, this person will never hear this message, but I'm still not going to say. I don't know that some of the people who have gotten rich during the pandemic would say like, I'm, I'm sorry, richer during the pandemic uh, would say that these are evil days. No, these, this is a time of opportunity for them, right? It, it is, right? Not everyone can see, and even people who are not getting richer, they do not, oh, well, many people can see that something's wrong, the earthquakes, the death, all, people can see that, but they don't know what it means. Right. But but we have the discernment to know, like, OK, well, Jesus talks about some of these things. And though we don't know, as we mentioned earlier in the year, though we don't know when he's returning, we do see like hey, we need to make sure that we are making our calling and election sure as he encourage us to do, encourages us to do anyway. So we need to discern how to make the best use 
of the time. That's a discernment issue. Is it time to watch TV or read my Bible? That's a discernment issue. That's, that's, a, that's a whatever your name is and God issue, right? Right? All right, this is going to be basketball on for 12 hours. I grew up in the neighborhood. They play basketball. I'll go out there right now. I probably hurt something. I'm not, not other people myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to hurt other people. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I probably, that's, that's me. But, but do, do I want to live vicariously through that dunk right there that he just did? Or do I want to get into God's word because I'm curious? Because I don't know what's coming tomorrow and I need to be. Oh, I don't know what's coming the next moment. I don't know what the next call or text or whatever is going to be. And I need to be ready, not just to preach in season and out, but I need to be ready to do everything in season and out. And that's one of the things that's been impressed upon me during this is like, you know what? There really is no off season. This is just like athletics, pro athletics. They get off for a little tiny bit of time. Then most of, a lot of them just get back to training because if they want to reach that goal, they know that somebody else is like training much more than they are, could be training much more than they are. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, they would say things like, yeah, but I, I, I haven't watched the documentary, but the great Kobe Bryant is, <laughs> there's, there's a story told that when uh, the, the, the Olympic team that he was on, which had LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and all of them, was, 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 um, went to whichever, wherever the, the um, Olympics were um, in that, that year, that most of the team went to some club that was like epic. It was epic club, like it's well known. Thank God I don't know the name of the club. But, but, but anyway, they went to the club. And you could see as they were telling the story, like they had a real good time. They're like, oh, man, we had so much fun. It was this, it was that, it was the other. We getting in around, I think they said five or six. And so we getting in, and we see Kobe Bryant getting off the elevator as we're getting on. And he's like, they're like, Kobe, man, what, what, what you doing? He's like, man, I'm, I'm going to the gym. I'm getting ready to go work out. And, and he was like, we got a game. They had a game at some point. And so he's like, yeah, we have a game late on. Right? These brothers are so confident. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. These brothers are so confident in their abilities. Which, I mean, they have skills. But they were so confident that they went out to the club all night long, came in from the club on the day that they have a game after, in, late on in the day. But Kobe Bryant's like, I'm working out. That's what I'm doing. Them brothers said, um, LeBron James said it, Dwayne Wade said it, Carmelo Anthony said it. By the time they finished those Olympics, everyone was getting up to train at 6 a.m. Because he was an example, and we know that they, they finally brought the, brought the gold back. But, but Kobe Bryant was like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not playing. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not drifting. I'm not, I'm not going to be so confident, I'm sorry right now if you trust in your theology enough to be so confident that you feel like you can do whatever you want to do and then just trust yourself to the grace of God. Yes, entrust yourself to the grace of God, but use the grace of God to press into God as much as possible because there is an enemy that desires to devour your soul and you can sleep on him if you want, but he's not sleeping on you. He's trying to get us to, to kowtow to his ways and he will not stop. He's the perpetual individual that comes that's going to wear you down from coming back. 
And then you know what? Your flesh is going to try to cooperate with it because your flesh, well, it's your flesh, right? <laughs> so, so it's going to try to cooperate, but you know what? You have to make sure that there is no out of season. No out of season at all. In the Lord, we need to be Kobe Bryant's. We can't worry about everybody else. Everybody else can do whatever they want to do. But your name in the Lord, sort of, kind of, just jokingly, should be Kobe. There's no downtime. There's no time to relax. That will be for later. That will be for later. It's coming, but it'll be for later. It'll be for later. You'll, you'll get to rest. We'll get to rest. We'll get to rest from our labors. But right now, we're, 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 we're part of this supernatural storyline during which, like, there's, there's violence taking place. There's violence taking place. You live in Prince George's County during the, not now, but during the, the crack epidemic. You, it's like that. It's like everywhere you go, you just got to just watch yourself. You don't have to be afraid. The Lord is with you. But you just want to be prepared for whatever, right, in the Lord. So it takes a level of discernment to recognize that these days are evil, and it takes a, a, a level of, uh, and that discernment obviously comes from, um, excuse me, it includes how we live our lives as well as being able to discern where we are. So where we are determines how we live our life. So this is what Romans chapter 12 says. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable, what is perfect. So in this passage, it talks about a level of uh, the ability to discern what you should do. The, your ability to figure out like what God's will is. What his good will is, what his acceptable will is, what his perfect will. And that, um, that's not meaning that his, God's word, God's will is, is, is compartmentalized. But what it means is that God's word is, um, excuse me, God's will is good, it's acceptable, it's perfect. So you have to discern that. But the only way you can discern that is by the renewal of your mind. Our minds, thank God for that day when we, when we, when we became believers, when we said, you know what, I'm submitting to Christ. Thank God for, for what I experienced was like a honeymoon period where all of my prayers seemed to be answered. Um, some of the stuff I heard as a, as a young kid coming up began to make sense um, because I was sitting in church not with a regenerate heart. Um, but it began to make sense. And everything was going good for me for a while. Thank God for that. But eventually... While things are still very good, very good, very good, they did not maintain, did not maintain at the same level. So does that mean that God is failing me in some way? Surely it does not mean that. For all who live godly in Christ Jesus, they'll suffer persecution. All persecution doesn't look the same. You're going to have some suffering on some level, right? You're going to have some level of suffering. That's to be expected. But it doesn't mean that God is failing you or that you're failing God. 
You would only know that, though, if you renewed your mind. The need to renew the mind is something that will not go away for believers. God is gracious and God is good. So I do believe that God gives grace for certain seasons. So you may not be able to read your Bible as much as a new parent. That's okay. Read when you can. Read how much you can. Listen to messages. There's so many messages to listen to, you have to discern who to listen to, right? So, so like, again, we live in a good, a good time, right? We live in a good time. So, so there's, there's no, no excuse for, for lack of Bible intake because we can listen, we can read, um, we, can, we can talk. You know what I'm saying? We got, we, you got, we got, nowadays we got, you know, earbuds that we can talk. We can be on the phone talking with somebody. We can be listening through an earbud on our device. All, all of that. These are things that we should leverage so that we are making sure that we get to a place where we are discerning God's will for our life because we should have a hunger for God's word. If, if we want our minds renewed, we have to have a hunger for God's word. We have to, and we have to act on that hunger. What I love about scripture is that it, it just gives all these testimonies. So here's a testimony in, in Acts 17. Um, this is after Paul went to Lystra 16. Um, he meets Timothy and all that, and then he goes to Thessalonica. Thessalonica is one of the places where Paul is stoned, so he's stoned, and, and, and then um, he, he leaves. He escapes. Ah, I think I'm messing up. You might check, double check that right there. In 16, that happens. In 17, he goes to Thessalonica, where there's more persecution. Excuse me, in 16, he gets stoned. Um, in 17, he goes to Thessalonica, having left Lystra, and there's people there to resist him. And this is what it says about the people to whom Paul went after Thessalonica. These people were called the Bereans. It says in verse 11 of 17, now these Jews, the ones in Berea, were more noble. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why were they more noble? Because they received the word. So if you show me in the word, if you can show me in the word, they receive the word with all eagerness. Show me. Let me see. Let me see whether or not I have to resist it or not. Show me what you're talking about. Oh, the word says it examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. See, they had a hunger for God's word. They wanted to be accurate as it related to God. They didn't want to take anything for granted. So show me in scripture, then let me examine to see whether or not it's so. So may God help us based on like where we are to have a hunger and a thirst for God's word, knowing that we need our minds renewed or we will drift because we can't see. See, we, 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 we walk by faith and not by sight. But if our faith isn't being, uh, if, if it's not being stirred up, then we will begin to walk by sight and drift away from walking by faith. And then when it comes to the word of God, we don't want to be, as James 1.22 says, we don't want to be um, hearers only, but we want to be doers. Because we don't want to deceive ourselves into thinking we're something that we're not. There's something about hearing God's word and agreeing with God's word that can lull us as well into thinking that we've been transformed. 
Transformation involves our application and our actions. So as we hear, we definitely want to hear, we want to pay attention to how we hear, but we also need to apply because people can hear God's word and not be doers of God's word. Jesus himself alluded to it in, in Matthew chapter 7 when he likened the person who heard his word and didn't do it to the person who built their house on the sand. The winds came, the storm came, and it blew the house down. That's a person who only hears God's word. The person who hears and does God's word is likened to the person who builds their house on the rock, building a foundation on, that can hold the, the building into place. So the storms come, the winds come, all of that comes. Life has its storms, has its winds, right? It's, it's going to come. But the person who hears God's word and does it, that person, their house is not going to be blown down. That person's house will stand. Jesus gave that illustration to show us the importance, not of just hearing God's word. Remember, the Pharisees heard God's word, could share God's word, but didn't recognize the word of God when he walked the earth. We need to remember that that should, that should add to our sobriety, that that is even possible. But to me, stuff like that is scary. Stuff like that is scary. Stuff like Balaam is scary, who can connect with God some kind of way and still work his way to, like, rationalize what he wants to do and be outside of God's will. <sighs> May that not be so at Solid Rock Church. But the word will keep us on track. Not just hearing the word, but doing the word, applying the word, and applying the word, it means that we will appropriate holiness in our lives. It means that we will be conformed into the image of Christ. It means that if we're serious about that, if we're serious about being conformed to the image of Christ, uh, we will do what Ephesians 4, 27 says. And that is to give no opportunity to the devil. To give no opportunity to the devil. I'm sorry, y'all. I, 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 I'm just a regular dude, so I know, like, okay, man, if I can think back in my life that there have been times where I've given opportunity to the devil, hmm, then it's likely that maybe 98% of people have as well. So that's how normal a guy I am, is that. It's too serious. It's too serious to give any place to the devil. Any place at all. No place. And there can be ways in which just allow something. It can be what we listen to. The power of what, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that in Prince George's County Public Schools, they have these, this uh, workshop that's going around. It's virtual. Some of you may have heard of it. Um, every one of us has, has heard of the fentanyl crisis. And so, um, they have this, this virtual training that's going around just to inform everyone about fentanyl, right? Um, so, I mean, it informed me, and I hit all of my, I didn't hit, literally hit them. I text um, my children. I'm like, hey, tell your kids don't take anything from anybody. No candy, no nothing, because, like, these drugs look like, can look like Skittles or can look like uh, Cocoa Puffs. It can look like anything. It can look like anything that kids would be drawn to, right? 
one of the things that the, the speaker said was to help your children not, you know, be gravitate towards fentanyl is like watch the music they listen to. Watch the shows they watch. Like don't let them watch shows that glorify drug taking or selling drugs. And I was just like, man, I'm scratching my head because Prince George, last I checked, Prince George's County was in Maryland. And I, you know, I, I follow some of our uh, elected officials on like Twitter and Instagram. And I see, I think that this week, if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken, but I think this week, cannabis is like legalized. So you're saying this is legal now. Not, it's legal. It's not just decriminalized. It's legal. <laughs> but tell, don't let your kids know about it. Like even though it's legal, like don't let them hear anything that would glorify, anything that would lead them on a, and that, I don't understand how those are, I don't understand how you compartmentalize those things. That's just me. I just don't, don't, don't understand. But, but look at how even the world is saying like, okay, watch what you listen to. Watch what your kids watch because it has impact. So we can say, okay, I can watch this. I can listen to this. Um, I can glance at that or I can whatever. You fill in the blank. Whatever you do, fill in the blank. The question is, are you giving place to the devil? I think some of what we see through the supernatural storyline of the Bible is that there are oftentimes just ripple effects to choices and decisions, actions, right? And while ours, it, 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 it's hard to equate ours actions to like when the, when, what the book of Enoch describes and the angels like, hey, look, man, this is what I want to do. But y'all got to agree with me. And if we're going to enter into this, and like, if you, if, curse be anyone who breaks this. Like, we don't think about life that way. But what if we did? There'd probably be a bunch of things that you watched yesterday or last week that you wouldn't watch or listen to if you were like carrying it like that. Like, oh, this could take me down. Now, at some point, thank God for God's grace that there'd be certain things you've heard, listened to, and, and even maybe even participated in. Maybe gone somewhere where the whole room was, huh, just not a place you should be in. <laughs> But you were there to support somebody, like maybe one of your kids or something, um, and you're, you're there, and it's like, man, I just I can't stand this. Um, and, and that doesn't have the, 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 the ultimate effect on you. So God, God is gracious. So we're not, trying to put, we're not trying to live in fear, but as we've been taught, we're not trying to live as fools either. Right? We're, not trying to live, we're not trying to tempt God. We're not trying to say, I remember, I'm sorry, I, I, I know, I know, I know. I already know what this is going to do. But I remember hearing a debate, well, no, hearing about a debate over whether you should go to the strip club and, and witness. <laughs> now, to me, that's foolishness. That's what that is to me. That's, that's foolishness to me. People made a good, play, a good point, I mean, you know, a good case. They had, what about this? What about, even involved scripture and all that. But to me, that's foolishness. That is straight up foolishness. That is, if that's not giving an opportunity to the devil, like, I don't know what is. I can't even tell you what giving an opportunity is if that's not. Because what it does is what, uh, what Romans chapter 13, verse 14 tells us not to do. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make 
no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So we have to not only look at like what the devil might be doing, but we, we, we have to study ourselves to see like, okay, what, what tickles my flesh? What, 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 what does that? And then like we need to run from that. We need to be like Joseph with Potiphar's wife, right? When she's like, hey, sleep with me. And that man runs, right? He runs. He runs. He's, that's, a, that's an example of not making any provision for the flesh. Why? Because it's natural to have sex. Right? That's part of the natural development, right? For most people, right? So there's no need in having a conversation. There's no need in asking to please leave me alone. There's no get the heck out of there. That's what it's time for. That's what it's just like to get roll, bounce, leave, vacate. Be like, be like those, those, those little, little videos where they show like if, if horror movies were made up of an all-black cast. When they had a dude go into the house and it's like, get out. Hey, man, that's how we need to be when it comes to our flesh. Like we need to look at our flesh, understand like how it works and be like, nah, cuz. Uh-uh, nah, get out. I'm gone, see y'all. That's not... Just remember that joint right there. Get out. That's what you. That's that's what you need to remember when it comes to like what tickles your like. Get out. Roll. Bounce. I'm gone. So we definitely need to make sure that as 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 it relates to maturity, it's not just a mindset. It involves the mindset. It involves being able to to recognize what um, th- that the days are evil. Um, it, it it involves identifying how to make the best use of the time, but then it involves making the best use of the time. So it involves our actions, right? Um, It involves our holiness. It involves our, not just we want to avoid sin, but may God transform our minds so much that it's not even, that we might be like Joseph. Joseph, what did he say? He said, how, basically, how can I just, just defraud my master and my God? Right. In his mind, it was about pleasing God. It wasn't just about avoiding sin. It's like, man, how can I wrong my master? How can I wrong God? Even though I'm still a slave, even though my brother, how can I do this to God? May the Lord help our mindset to be about that, not just about avoiding sin, but about pleasing God. That is a transformed mind. That is a mind that is submitted to, to God. And that is a mindset that will help us to, to have a level of durability, right? Durability. That is resisting wear or decay, lasting or enduring. See, one of the things that the saints will do is that we will persevere to the end. Remember, Jesus even said that the ones who, who, who make it to the end, those are the ones who are going to be saved. Now, things are going to come up to derail us or attempt to derail us. So I, time doesn't allow me because, I'm, because of how I preach to go through all of this, but, but, but I will uh, direct your attention to Daniel chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 18, where, where the three Hebrew young men are talking to Nebuchadnezzar who wanted them to bow down to the, the idol. And they said, you know what? We're we not bowing down. We don't even need to negotiate. Again, no need to negotiate. We don't need to have a long conversation. Um, we, we, don't need to, we don't need to do that at all. 
We know that our God is able to deliver us because you asked us that question, who's able to, who, what God is able to, well, our God is able to. Now, we don't know whether or not he's going to deliver us in this instance. We know ultimately he is, but we know we're not bowing down. That's enduring. That's persevering. That's some of what the saints have to do. That's what we have to do down here. And thank God for examples in this church. We talked about meeting with the first generation. These people, some of them helped put this building together, literally, with their hands. Some of them have lost children when they were very young. Some of them have had miscarriages. Some of them uh, have terminal illnesses. Some of them are just looking at how their body doesn't do the same things it normally could do. No, just so you understand. Like, they probably weren't doing that, but whatever their body could do, right? It's changing a little bit. The church is changing. These are things you persevere through, right? And the thing that I love about the first gen, and this is something that I think happens. Let me say this. I'm going to say this to anyone who doesn't know. I know there's a group of people that know. But getting older in this world is not for the faint-hearted. You have to have a level of toughness to even be okay with that and to press forward and to have joy in the midst of it. And that's what I love about the first gen and what I love about getting older. Even if I pull the hamstring by doing this, God is still good. Yeah, he's still good. He's still good. I can deeply hate, but because he's good. (laughs) They're persevering to the end. Despite challenges, despite obstacles, despite maybe even wanting to be like Job's wife at times, but resisting the urge to do so. One of the things that I love about getting older myself is that there is an awareness of the power of prayer. Awareness of the power of prayer, which is one of the things that contributes to our durability. Luke chapter 18, I'm not going to read it, but it has, a, it has a parable in there that Jesus uses to show us that we should always pray and not lose heart. That's what the first verse says. Verses 1 through 8 um, is what uh, you should read when you look back over it. But, <clears throat> but it lets us know that um, the Lord, this, verse 6 says this, and the Lord said after giving the, the, the parable, the Lord said, hear what the righteous judge says. So the righteous judge says, man, I'm going to listen. I'm going to give this person what they want for these various reasons. And then he says, and, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? My brother or my sister, if, if, if God has been delaying on some point, on some item you've been praying for, please know that he will not delay forever. Please know that, 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 that he will answer your prayer. And if he doesn't answer your prayer the way you want him to answer it, he's going to answer it the best way that it can be answered. Always. 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 Let us be people of prayer and let us not lose heart. 
Let us not lose heart because our God hears us. Let us be constant in prayer. Let us be like, like Daniel who had the vision and he wanted the interpretation. He prayed for the interpretation. The answer didn't come. He couldn't sleep, so he prayed and he fasted and I think it was almost a month, 21 days, the answer comes to him. The supernatural storyline tells us that, that as soon as he prayed, a word of mercy was given so that he would receive the answer. But there was resistance. He couldn't see the resistance. He experienced it, but he didn't see it. So Gabriel tells him that the prince of Persia was resisting, and then Michael had to come and make sure the word got to where it was, it was supposed to go. Let us be constant in prayer. We never know what's happening. We don't get that information. There's not a lot of that even in Scripture. That, that one instance is the one that I can think about that comes to the forefront of my mind. Um, but there, there aren't many insights into what's going on when we pray. But that one gives us something that's like maybe that's not happening all of, all of, the, time, all of the time, but it could be happening. So may we have durability. May we, may we, may we pray and not give up. May we be like the Hebrew boys and not give in to temptation or outside pressure to do something that God doesn't want us to do. Finally, when we hear about this supernatural storyline of the Bible and understand that we're in it, all glory should be to God. All focus really is to be on God. And so we should be like, and I'm not going to read these passages, but I'll explain what they're doing. Romans chapter 11, 33 through 36, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, and Jude chapter 1, uh, verse, and it's only one chapter there, so verses 24 and 25. In all of those passages, in all of those uh, scriptures, in those books, we have, we have like this instruction and this reality about this is what's going on. And then the writer cannot help. The writer cannot help, cannot help, will not resist himself, will not control himself. He has to praise God. He has to give God glory. He has to give God honor. Doxology is a hymn or form of words, which means it could be a poem. It could just be like a, just blurted out. Um, but, but what makes it doxology is that it ascribes, ascribes praise to God. So any word that, that ascribes praise to God is doxology. Doxology is another way of saying worship. So anytime we understand we get into the presence of God, remember, we can't help but worship. Time after time after time, people get into the presence of God and they drop. That's a form of worship. They have to get permission to stand up. Then even when things are said about God, when truth is, is proclaimed about God, then there is also worship because I believe that, yes, God is holy, 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 Lord God. So we all are right now, we all around the throne, the 24 elders, they're going to take their crowns and they're going to cast them down and they're going to get down on the ground as well because they cannot help but praise God because the, of, of seeing who he is and the truth of what he does and just his being causes people to Praise him, causes people to worship him, should cause us to worship him, to praise him. Even as we sang this morning, especially uh, the, the last song about all that we have and, and lifting up our arms and all we have is a hallelujah. That, that, that resonates with us, right? Because God is worthy of something 
He's worthy of more than hallelujah. We, we, we instinctually know that. Like, okay, just me saying hallelujah is not enough. But I don't know what else to do, so hallelujah. Right? Our engagement in processing the supernatural storyline of the Bible should ultimately lead us to worship. It should ultimately lead us to praise. And so when we think about in our lives, how do we process all of this? It's cool stuff to know. Well, may it give us curiosity. May it help us have a measure of sobriety. May we embrace maturity. May we exercise durability. And may we May we have some strong doxology. And may we do it not just the words with the words of our lips, but the words of how we live our life. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Pastor Kurt's work to show us what's happening behind the scenes of what our life is. We ask you that you would help us to be those who are uh, those who are about um, pressing into all that that means for us as human beings made in your image. Lord, we just ask you that you would please uh, bless us, use us in this world, help us even as we talk next week about um, about living in the supernatural storyline um, from a missional perspective. Lord, would you please bless us to live within the supernatural storyline of the Bible from a personal perspective. Lord, everything that could be said can never be said in this framework. But Lord, you know how to speak to each one of your people. So we ask you that you would please do that even over the coming uh, week, Lord, and these coming days. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you. And I just want to say, um, I just sometimes my grandkids hit me on that. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that was me, that, but um, I also before like you did, I also just want to just uh, just thank Pastor Kurt for all of his work um, with this series. Um, when when we talk about uh, these series, there's always a high level like, yeah, all right, this is what we want to do. Um, but we also uh, consistently leave room for however the spirit might lead and where things might go in, in our, you know, additional uh, in-depth studies. So, Pastor Kurtman, I can't see you. So, hey, thank you so much for everything, for uh, how you've been leading us uh, in this and processing this and just giving us stuff that causes people who've been walking with the Lord for decades to say, you know what, this is really refreshing my soul. So, um, are there any, is, is there anything from the mic? Yeah, first of all, let's thank Pastor Mike again for a wonderful message. Yeah. Mike, I think you've just been on your A game, brother, every time you preach, just reminding us of the practical responsibilities. I mean, that's always a burden for both of us, but you express it so well no, that you. I'm encouraged by that.
I don't forget the, the number is on the board if you have some questions about this message. So let me start with this, Mike. What are some practical ways that you, what are practical things that you have put in place because of the series? So for <laughs> a very long time, <clears throat> a couple years, I've been trying to systematize how I pray. Um, so I came across this, this book called, I think it's called The Prayer Wheel. And it takes the Lord's Prayer and the Beatitudes and some other things and pray through that. Now, I'm not a person who likes to do exactly what other people do. So, um, so what I've done is I've mapped out like each day, like some ways that I'll pray. And that's informed by scripture and stuff like that. So. Um, so I think my prayer life and so being able to pray through those things, I've, I'm not perfect. I haven't, still haven't gotten that down, even though it's been a few years since I've tried to incorporate that. But my awareness of the need to follow through on that is definitely heightened. And I think probably most, most, what I can see most vividly is my, um, just things that I will ascribe to just noticing things that, that maybe I would have excused as tickling my flesh and just being like, nah, not today, flesh. Not today, Satan. Nah, we ain't, we ain't, you ain't doing that over here. You can't come over here with that. Now, I'm not 100% with that, but my awareness and my swiftness to be like, oh, nah, um, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to respond. I'm, right now, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> be one thing like right now I'm tempted to talk in a way that's just not when I look back on it it's not going to be glorifying to God so I'm gonna just be quiet right now and I'll figure out a way to address what I need to address but I'm gonna address it in the way God wants me to address it so I'm not going to give in so I've noticed what I've noticed though is that because of this just like just temptations seem to be everywhere be like yeah. all right Mike we see you coming right. and it's like but I'm able to recognize some things that maybe I would have been, I would have excused, um, you know, prior to this. Oh, and I'll say this. I also am quicker, I mentioned this, but I'm quicker to be quiet. I'm quicker to be like, nah, don't say anything. But I'm not, but, but if it's something that needs to be addressed, it's just don't say anything right now. <laughs> Figure out how to say it in a way that's going to serve the purposes of God, not serve your purposes of wanting to, Express yourself. All right, so I think this is what this question is getting at. It's, it's saying, how should I be reading my Bible? But some of the context is essentially this. The series has made me look for supernatural connections. And how do I know if I'm being distracted by reading to find things versus reading to just be with the Lord? I'm sorry. This is not meant to be trite, but um, don't read scripture to find things. Read it to spend time with the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you. To like, Lord, this is about this isn't about me trying to add to my knowledge. This is about me trying to spend time with you and be more become more like you. It's not. Remember, I mentioned earlier that that the things of God aren't always 
for us, meaning always to be used for our purposes, but it's always meant to do something to us. So I asked the Lord, just say that to him. Like, Lord, you know what? I'm appreciating this, 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 uh, you know, this, the supernatural storyline. You know, part of me wants to see some of that stuff. That's, I mean, you know, you can tell the Lord that. Um, Lord, I don't mind if you show me some of that. <laughs> but would you help me most of all to spend time with you? Would you help me to be conformed more into your image as a result of spending time in your word? Would you help me to do that? Um, and anything you give me over that is just like cherry on top. Um, and that's how I want to posture my heart so that I'm just reading and like it's the Lord. Because what we want is we want the Lord to show us stuff, right? We want our hand in his and he's like, look at this. See that? See that? That's, that's what we want. Now, I mean, there, there are levels to that and different, you know, so I would say don't try to also, I know the person, the person is not saying this. This is where my mind is going though. Don't try to be like anybody else. You're, I have five children, five different personalities. I love them all the same. But I don't interact with all of them the same because they're different. God has been dealing with you how he deals with you. Be willing to say, Lord, just show me what I see from your word today and let him, let him do the rest. So that's what I would say to that person. Uh, this is somewhat connected. Should I be reading other things like the book of Enoch and other books to help me in my understanding of the Bible? The key word in that question for me is should. Right. I wouldn't say that you should necessarily. Remember that, you know, there are, as I mentioned about my children, Scripture says this about, um, you know, about the church that we all have, we all make up different parts, we're different parts of the body, right? So if, if some kind of way that would edify you, read it. If it would distract you, don't read it. Like don't feel like we have a teacher, we have pastors, we have, we have these things to help us. So we don't all have to do the same thing. So we don't all have to read the book of Enoch. Now, if you saw something that made you want to engage with it, just remember that Pastor Kurt didn't read the whole book to us, so that what he gave us was snippets, so some of it is not, you know, it's, it's not all, you know, doing, those were the highlights for what we were doing, right? So I think, you know, um, it can be just like he mentioned when he taught it, like think of it as a commentary. Do all Christians use commentaries to read their Bibles and get something out of it? I don't think so. I think we could go somewhere around the world and someone might not even know what a commentary is. So the word of God, it's, that's what's active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, right? So, so we have to make sure, again, that we're going uh, humbly, but I, I don't think I can answer the question whether someone should. I think that's a, the person in God, or I would have to talk with that person and ask more quest, ask questions to see like where they're coming from. I don't think you have to read those. People have not, my mother has not heard of the book of Enoch, I don't think. My mother is saved though, I, I know that. She walks with the Lord, whether she heard of that or not. 
She's heard of, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and some other books. She heard the 66 books. Um, so that, that's enough. But can you? Sure, you could. But that's a personal decision. And that would be a decision that I could answer more accurately to the individual um, if, they were, uh, if we were able to have a conversation. That's a great answer, bro. Uh, can you say more about how the structures we have in church, like D group, one another, are designed to help us in these areas that you spoke about in the sermon? Are there ways we should be intentional in our participation in the activities of the church in light of these points? I think, uh, I think we should look at the context in which we are, in which we are, which is we, we are post-COVID gathering now. We've gone through COVID. Well, I mean, COVID is still here, so I mean, it's, it's not gone anywhere. But we're, we're, we're used to COVID on some level, right? People are back. Everything about the gathered, gather, everything about gathered believers should affect us now, in my opinion. It, should, it, it, it affects me that I see the number of infants. Now, I know that probably has to do with COVID. Um, <laughs> people spending more time at home. Uh, but, 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 but to see life and to know that God is the author of life and to see Little babies whose names I still don't know yet or I haven't gone to say hello to or haven't, we haven't done a baby dedication uh, for it. Like seeing all of that, seeing you come in. So we were kind of light. Boy, that question is kind of loaded because now my mind is going all over the place. So, so anyway, I think where there's life that we should, we should see like the work of God in that period. Then I think when we are talking about singing to have anything to do with God, anything to do with glorifying him, that that should do something for us. So I don't know if you, I'm sorry, this is going to be, I'm sorry, I know. I'm a violent, uh, I have violence in my background, but I don't know if you've ever seen those videos where like they, they had this game where like you have to smack the person and whoever like falls out or whatever, like they're the ones, whoever can't get back up and get another Smack like they're, they're the loser in the reverse way. When I see people lifting up their hands to God or I hear them say something to the Lord or I hear them say like, thank you, Lord, or yes, Jesus, or something like that does something for me. Just as much as you can feel that slap when you watch that, like me seeing others lift their hands, me seeing other people pray for each other, me hearing something encouraging about the Lord it does something for me. Why? Because the, remember that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit is going to resonate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So if you're giving glory to God, that is the main thing that the Spirit does, right? So if that's happening, that's going to inevitably, even if I don't rec realize it, is going to do something within me. So I think another way the series has affected me is that I'm all right with, I'm all right with engaging with that. I'm all right with if you say hallelujah, then I'll say, I, now I, I would not want to do this because of caricatures, but I might do something like if you say like the Lord did such and such and such, I might be like, mm, 
I might now at this point just give expression because I think expression, I'd rather give expression than not. When there was only 10 people in here, giving expression kind of didn't make a lot of sense because you were talking to a camera for the most part, right? But now, like, we're together. We're meant to encourage each other, and we do, whether you know it or not. If you haven't encouraged any other person just by being here, you encourage me. So if you walked by me when I was back there and I said hi, or hi, good morning, whatever, shook your hand, that was because I was glad to see you. So all, even in the Old Testament, the psalmist says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because it's there. And, and the psalmist also talks about wanting to be in the temple and inquire there all the days of his life, right? Because there's something different about the church gathered than the church scattered. So we're going to be the church scattered, and that's fine. But like when we gather together, like it has spiritual benefit. Again, it may seem like it doesn't. It's like eating your dinner. Until it's not, until you're not together, until you begin to drift because you haven't been together. So our participation should be such that we're coming to the house of the Lord, that we are going to our groups, that we are participating in them. That not, We didn't just go and we just our body, but we're participating, that we are looking for a way. I mean, the, the scriptures are, are very clear. One of them, I think, was read this morning from uh, Colossians 3. Um, it, it just talks about what we should do when we're, some of what we should do when we're together. You know, the songs, the hymns, the spiritual songs, singing to one another, engaging with one another. Like, the, the one another's in the New Testament are just crazy in terms of, like, the, 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 magnet, the number of them. So I know I'm saying a lot, but that, that question has a lot intertwined in it because, you know, we're living in, a, in an age where people are, you know, they're, they're, they're like... Um, they're like Jonah. What I mean by that is they're content to be all by themselves and to think that they can accurately engage with God that way. There are not many people, if there are any, who can do that. I can't do that. I don't think, I don't think anybody in this room can do that. Just, I'm going to just keep it 100. I, don't have, I can't recall chapter and verse right now, but if we are a body, like... My finger is just a finger if it's separated from my body. But right now, it's part of my body. So it, it, provi it provides something. May, I may not always appreciate what it does. I may, I may not do that until, like, but uh, well, hopefully it's never gone, but until it wasn't there, right? The big toe doesn't seem like it does much except for when you stub it. But if, that, if it's gone, if it's gone, um, I, 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 I think you're going to need help to walk. Right. So you you need that. So we need each other that way. And that 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 those pictures of family body like they're all meant to say, like, no, nah, we're supposed to be together. It's a reason why people in foreign. I'm sorry, I'm about to stop. I'm sorry. That don't just got me. Um, but but there's a reason why people in, in closed countries like will sneak and get together. There's a reason why the slaves who became believers in Christ were still away on the on the pain of death if they got caught and gather together as a church, even though they, were, they weren't supposed to do it. They would put their life on the line. That's what I mean by, by drifting, man. I mean, you know, we can, we can, there may be reasons that make sense to other, other people, but ultimately the body of Christ is the body of Christ, and they're supposed to gather, and the participation needs to happen on every level, not some level. 
So for more reference on that, Ephesians chapter 4, just read it. You'll see the gifts, and you'll see what, what, what happens when every part does its part. It means we all mature. It means it helps us from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Without that, believe me, every wind of doctrine, some wind of doctrine is going to tickle your flesh without you knowing it, and you'll drift. You'll drift. All right, uh, there have been a lot of new ideas and concepts introduced through this series. Where can people go if what has been introduced has caused doubt or has introduced questions people don't know how to answer? Mm-hmm. Well, I think those are two different categories, doubt and then uh, don't know where to go for answers because We'll start with the, with the don't know where to go for answers. I, I do believe that all our relationship with God involves mystery, right? So some questions aren't going to be, all questions aren't going to be able to be answered to the satisfaction of the curiosity of everyone. And there has to be some level of comfort with that, right? Because if we could figure God out, then you can complete the rest of that sentence. I don't think he would be God, right? Um, so, so, so part of that, part of the answer is like, we have to be comfortable with mystery, but I think this, I would, you know, someone wants answers. So you ask, where can you go? I think the place to go is the, like, where'd you hear it from? Right. You are part of this church. I maybe, hopefully that person is part of this church. So, um, you can talk to your pastor and ask him to help you digest what you what you've been hearing, right? Because that's a matter of digesting. So, so it's, these things aren't shared to cause anyone to doubt anything, right? Um, it's, it's it's to give like a, a backdrop. And even some things have been said, as mentioned in the sermon. Some things have been said where it's like, you know, maybe uh, it's not doesn't say those words in scripture, but you see you can see like okay from reading this passage and what that word, what this phrase means in the, in the, uh, in the Hebrew um, and what this means, then you can see where the, where the, how the conclusion is come to, how the statement reaches, um, how the uh, preacher, Kurt, has come to a place where like this is the conclusion he's drawn. But, if, but unless it's like clearly in scripture, he's not even saying you need to believe everything he's saying, right? That's not, I mean, so like, Look, I remember my mom would not give us, at a certain age, she wouldn't give us steak. She'd be like, we couldn't, we couldn't eat it. We could, you waste it. Like, you don't, you don't chew it up. You, just, you know, she was saying that. I mean, if my, my mom now, I eat all kinds of steak. I shouldn't eat it all the time, but I do because I, I enjoy it. But because now I'm mature in a few ways, um, included. Um, but I think, you know what, things that you, for me, things I didn't understand fully, this is me, this is me, this is me. I would, and this could be, this could be something that somebody don't, doesn't want to do. And if you don't want to do this, I'm saying you talk to Kurt or myself and, and we'll, you know, this is a conversation, right? Um, but I understood that there would be some things, I don't know how I understood this, there'd be some things that I will understand more later. From more exposure, from more study, from asking questions. So I would do all of those things um, because 
None of what's being said changes who Jesus is. None of it. And, and our hope is not even, um, our hope is in Christ, right? Even when we stand before God, it's not going to be how much scripture did you know? Now, it could be for Kurt and me, but it, it, it's not. It's going to be like, what did you, for all of us, it's definitely going to be this. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with him? So hopefully nothing that's being said causes us to question who Jesus is. There's nothing that I've heard that, that, that would equate to that or, or else we would talk about that. Um, but nothing I've heard has done that. So I think, you know, our hope has to be in Christ and his finished work for us, period. But I think if you're having doubts because you're seeing something new and you thought you, I hope that doesn't mean that you thought you knew it all. I don't think you're saying that. Um, but that would be the only way that I would feel like personally my faith would be derailed. If I thought I knew every, everything, this is me, and I didn't, then I'd be questioning, then I would, could question everything. But if I know I don't know everything, and this is not what the person's saying, I'm talking about me again, then I would be like, okay, I can ask questions, listen to the sermon again, talk to Pastor Kurt, and get some clarity, or agree to disagree for now. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I mean, that's, that's fine, that's fine. But don't let your faith be derailed, your faith in Christ be derailed because of, of this series. Please don't. That's not its intended purpose. I would agree. I'd only add, go to Chris's group on Tuesday nights at the church. where They, they talk about every aspect, accuse me of all types of stuff, <laughs> defend me. They do not. They just, they're a good group of good thinkers who are really processing this stuff in, in an amazing way. So his group meets on Tuesday nights here, I believe 7.30, it's 7.30, and they, they usually supposed to leave at nine, but they've been leaving at 10. Don't let that deter you. I think his group should be packed, especially when you got guys like John Peggins in there and a few other people who I just know, Dwayne, who just are good thinkers, a lot of good thinkers in that group. Feel free to visit that, that group as well. Uh, last question. You mentioned that it takes a certain level of toughness you need to grow older. I definitely have anxieties around that and can see the truth in your statement. Could you share more what you gleaned from the first-gen convo? How do we live as we get older? What things to fix our minds on to stay grounded? Well, That's a great <clears throat> question. That is a wonderful question. Um, so since many of the f people who have fallen the first, I've fallen the first-gen. Um, but I think the people you're talking about are probably older than me. The first thing I would say is take some time to get to know the first gen. Please let them speak for themselves. But I will speak as well. All right. So some. I'm sorry. Can you re repeat the question? Is what what? It's, it was two sides. Uh -huh. Could you share a little bit more about what we gleaned from that meeting? And then as you're thinking about getting older, what things? should we fix our minds on? Kind of like things that they are focusing on that we should be focusing on. Because the person who's asking this is younger mm -hmm. than being in the first gen. So they're thinking, as I'm looking ahead, what things should I be focused on and fix my mind on? Well, thank you for asking that question, whoever you are. So what else was gleaned from there? Um, it's that uh, sometimes worship can be kind of loud but I think that falls into some people who are not part of the first gen as well, because I've seen little kids with air, muffs on their ears, right? Um, I, um, 
even though this wasn't said, I think I think the first gen didn't say it this way, but I think they appreciate the health of the church. They appreciate the same thing I said I appreciate, seeing people come, seeing people gathered. Um, I think they also, uh, something we learned um, is that they would appreciate um, if uh, there were some people who could help them with things that they're not able to do anymore. So cut their grass, rake leaves, shovel snow, those types of, of things. So if you're able-bodied, like we will be making moves to um, make sure that we can assist them in that way. Um, I think, um, you know, ultimately the first gen has seen God in a lot of, in a lot of different contexts. So if you, for most of them, obviously at one point they were children, at some point they were singles. Most of them have been married before. Some of them are, uh, either still married, um, or they're widowed, um, or, or, I mean, we have one of our first geners who has been single all his life. Um, so we have a, we have a spectrum of, 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 of experiences, but I think, you know, they've just seen God keep them, right? And, and, and there's no substitute for seeing God keep you. There's no substitute for being able to, despite if now you have to walk with a cane and you never have had, or you, that's, this is a new thing in your life, maybe the last five years and you're in your 70s or older. I mean, five years is nothing in that, at that point. Um, they're still able to praise God and focus on God. So I think what the, the ability to set their minds on things above has not been derailed because life circumstances has changed, right? If anything, it's just shown that God is God regardless of my circumstance or my situation. But I think the best, the better thing to do is to go and interact with the first agenda. So in light of that, if you are a part of the first agenda, would you please stand so people can see who you are? Please, don't be shy. Don't be shy, please, somebody got to start. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You, you will benefit from knowing these people and, and asking them directly so that they can speak for themselves. So there's the, there's the woman at the well. She told her, her, her community all that Jesus told her. They came, but then they believed because of what Jesus himself said. So interact with them directly so that they can uh, um, answer that question in more, you know, with, with more depth than I have been. But we appreciate them, and we stand on their shoulders as a church. Uh, many of them were, some of them were here when, when I got here. So um, one thing we said as we transitioned to taking communion um, is that to the person who has doubts and anyone who has doubts, anyone who's still waiting for God to do something for them, the thing that we can always put our trust in is the fact that Jesus Christ has been sent, that he died on the cross for our sins, despite anything that would tickle our flesh, anything that would cause us to drift away from him, he died to secure our presence with God so that regardless of what accusations are brought, what charges are brought, that if we're in him, we can stand before God himself. And so we want to thank God for the provision of Jesus Christ's son who came and had his body broken that we might have eternal life. So now in light of that, let's take the bread which represents that body of Christ and eat now.
And now let's drink the juice, which represents his blood that was shed for us for the remission of our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for taking on flesh. Holy Spirit, we thank you for giving us ears to hear what you have to say to the church. We thank you for, we thank you that we are a church, that we do not have to live alone, that we not only have your spirit, but we have the visible, your visible representation on earth, the body, to come and learn from, to be encouraged by, to receive prayer from. We thank you, Jesus, for dying to establish your church. We thank you for purchasing us, each one, by your own blood. We thank you for embracing death, which should be impossible for you to embrace for us. That's a mystery, and how could you die? We don't know the depths of it, but we thank you for the reality of it. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, thank you. I